And thank you for tuning in to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV series in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And tonight we continue our coverage of The Addams Family with the next two episodes of the the, the ending of season uh, two, season one. Ah. <laughs> Cousin it's nearly it, the ending, yes. Nearly the <laughs> ending of season one. Cousin It and the Vocational Counselor, probably the longest title that they have for the show. And Mr. Zeneca has the uh, factoids of the week about The Addams Family. Today's focus area is on Charles Addams' fifth anthology of cartoons, Nightcrawlers. Originally published in 1957 by Simon & Schulster Publications. The cover features the Adams family on the roof of the mansion, moonbathing, while everyone is in some form of bathing attire, except for Morticia, who sits in her famous wicker chair, looking so severe. Uh, since I don't own this one, I went looking online for information about it, and I ran across a copy that has a Charles Adams autograph and a sketch of Pugsley. It's currently selling for $3,750, a little too expensive for my pocketbook, although I would totally want to get it. There are 91 drawings in the book. Over half were originally published in The New Yorker. After the divorce from Barbara Jean Day, a.k.a. Bobby, as Charlie called her, uh, he was a true man about town. Now, there's a lot that happens between the publication of Homebodies and the publication of Nightcrawlers. He dated the most astounding women, Veronica Lake, an actress who you'll recognize the name, Doris Lilly, the author of How to Marry a Millionaire, and while Charles Adams wasn't a millionaire, he did make good money, always with one woman or another on his arm. Uh, but he never disappointed women. He also wasn't the loyal type. Uh, all of his partners and wives were aware that Charles Adams enjoyed a romp with other women. It, it most seemed fine with it. Uh, it was open and known, and he got around, and women fawned over him. And that's when he met the woman who was going to be his second wife, Barbara Barb, or as she would be known later, Lady Barbara E. Barb Coylton. She showed up uninvited to Charles Adams's place shortly after meeting him, dressed only in a mink coat and a smile. She looked very close to Charles's dream girl, Morticia. In fact, she looked so close that you'd thought that the cartoons were actually based on her. She was bold, and Adams really adored her, but she was manipulative, and that's with a capital M, manipulative. They were married in secret on November 10th, 1954, and that marriage was made public August 1955. Now, they did divorce 1956, so this was not a very long marriage. Thankfully, it wasn't very long because she was extremely manipulative and violent. Uh, one of his friends is quoted as saying, Charles Adams is now mixed up with a woman lawyer who bites him and who is said to be handy with a knife when she's mad. There is a lot in Linda Davis's biography on Charles Adams that talks about the depths to which she manipulated him. And I won't go into detail here. I, I suggest you read it for yourself fake pregnancies and everything. It's terrible. She asked for the world on a string in the divorce, and he ended up giving her a lot, uh, rights to ownership of properties, monies, etc. Unfortunately, this also included rights to certain cartoons of the Adams family themselves, including the famous Boiling Oil cartoon. So, 
yeah. Uh, between his two books, a lot happened, and, you know, I'll, I'll end it there. And now you have the episode synopsis for us. Cousin It and the Vocational Counselor, originally aired May 7th, 1965. Morticia thinks marriage counseling would be the perfect career choice for Cousin It. To prove it, to him, she and Gomez pretend to be a couple in trouble, but the pretense goes awry when she starts believing in parts of Gomez's fanciful play-acting. Now Morticia and Gomez are really a couple in trouble, and it won't do as a marriage counselor at all. Finally, a professional vocation advisor is called in to evaluate it with an astonishing result. The vocational uh, advisor, played by Richard Deacon, uh, I remember him as Earl Lyon in Piranha, and he's also in uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Oh, he is? Yeah, I do love the fact that his IMDb picture is this nice black and white picture to the left, and then to the right is a trailer for some movie I haven't clicked on, but a girl is coming out of the uh, uh, out of the pool in a bikini. Ah, <laughs> uh, typical seventies. <70s. laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it's from exactly, but uh, it uh, <laughs> just like looking at this, going, this is this guy's trailer for his IMDb. This is the uh, thumbnail they use. This girl coming out of the water in a very, very nice bikini. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His last credit is uh, Growing Pains as a ticket salesman in 1984, and that's also the year that he died. Do we have uh, any? He pi- was 63. Do we have any pictures of Carolyn Jones in a bikini or a bathing suit of any kind? You know what? Let me check her uh, biography. I don't think that we do, but, you know, I'll do some scouring this, uh, this week and see if I can dig something up. Because, I mean, wasn't she a model as well? Uh, she was, but I do not believe it was for bikinis. Not bikinis, but she was a model of some type of fashion with those curves. <laughs> uh, if she wasn't, that was certainly a missed opportunity. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know a lot about Angelica Houston's uh, career uh, beyond, like, you know, like the Witches and the Addams Family and a few other things that she did. So I don't know, you know, if she ever did any type of, like, you know, super modeling and stuff like that. But I know Christina Ritchie has been in all sorts of things. Yes. <laughs> all grown up. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Richard Deacon was also on the Dick Van Dyke Show and Leave it to Beaver. What's Happening? Uh, he was also on McMillan and Wife, Night Gallery. Love that show. Love American style. And Lots the Beverly, of great shows. Yeah, Beverly Hills Billies, uh, I've been dreaming Jean, as you said. Um, Phil's Diller <laughs> always keeps coming up. <laughs> Green Acres. Yeah. Mr. Ed, Twilight Zone. Um, so we begin with the episode with a dancing sombrero. Uh, sorry, uh, Morticia dancing around a sombrero, which I think we've seen before. Um, yes. Gomez thinks that Cousin It should join a spy ring. Not sure why. Don't. I just don't see that working whatsoever. Um, <laughs> and then uh, he should join the South Sea and become a beachcomber. Yeah, but the the sand would just get too much in his hair, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, as they're continuing contemplating what Cousin It should do for a occupation, uh, g- then Morticia speaks some French, and then she says, no, no, later, later, dear, <laughs> for that. <laughs> Um, but he should become a marriage counselor for no real reason. I mean, cartoon logic, humor stuff. I honestly, as much as I like Cousin It, I didn't find the whole plot of why he should become a marriage counselor entertaining or thought-provoking whatsoever. I just thought, I, actually, I honestly thought the writers threw, like, threw a bunch of, like, jobs around. They picked on that one to write a script about. I just, it doesn't make any sense. 
Well, this is this is one of those points where the difference between the Adams family and the Munsters handling this type of situation is that in the Adams family episode, this uh, marriage counselor and then their their marital troubles based from the role playing they do that would have been the entire episode of the Munsters where the the entire episode would be revolving around. Herman and Lily having this marital difficulty, and then at the end, whoever the guest who was the, the the marriage counselor would bring them back together. You know, and if this were that style of show, cousin it would then be bringing Morticia and Gomez back together at the end, kind of proving that he does the marriage counseling thing. But because this is Adam's family, their relationship. You know, Gomez spends a night on, you know, the couch, but it's the conversation chair uh, in a Zen yogi position. And that is just really like the only element uh, of their of their relationship that has trouble. You know, they make up in the morning. They they admit each person was wrong and then it, the, the plot moves on and, and it kind of passes that opportunity for, you know, conflict internally. Whereas in the monsters, that conflict internally would be the entire fucking episode. Well, also, I think the person it wouldn't be so much maybe a guest. Maybe it would be a guest star in the monsters because they had as many guest stars as the Adams family did. Uh, but I think it would probably be uh, related. Uh, it would. It would. Re- the problem of fixing the monsters' marital problems would go to Grandpa to drive yes. Herman crazy because Herman and Grandpa did not get along. Um, yes. Which is like the one dynamic of the Adams family that was never on that show. Everyone got along with each other, and whereas in the Munsters it was a def- dysfunctional family because they, you know, Herman was forced to live with his father-in-law. Yes, and, and uh, they didn't really like each other very well. No, and... no, that was a constant theme of this. Um, Lurch, by the way, does not agree that it should be a marriage counselor, but Lurch also speaks its language. And then it seems like the Adams are just kind of forcing this occupation onto cousin it. It, it honestly, they they really drive it home to this is what he should be doing. They do, they do, and and uh, in this entire episode, cousin it dreams about being a stewardess. And uh, Morticia and Gomez are telling him how only women can be stewardesses, and, and he's saying that it's unfair. And I'm like, yeah, that is completely unfair. Um, I don't know when men were allowed to be stewards. but Stewards, uh, not stewards. I mean, are we talking about, like, he can't be a stewardess because he's a bi-gender, weird, non-conforming creature? Or are we just talking, like, he wants to, be, like, be a flight attendant, um, and that was a job regulated to women back in the 60s? Uh, the second. Okay. Uh, it was a job regulated to women, okay. and he wants to be a flight attendant. I assume that has got to have been a thing, like in the uh, maybe in the seventies after the women's movement happened. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, I didn't look up that particular fact, but I can still I know name it, like at some point. And I can still name. I can still name like no no female pilots on one hand whatsoever after that or whatever. But I I, I guarantee that male uh, flight attendants became a thing. And also stewardess was no longer a word you could use anymore because it has some other meaning that's negative, I guess. Yes. Um, What's the book that Morticia is reading? (laughs) Only up to page 12. (laughs) Which is 1,225 pages, by the way, published in 1869 by the Russian author Leo Tolstoy. And she was on page 12. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) When she says that she's going to go up to a room and read War and Peace. (laughs) Um, the last version of War and Peace was made in 2016 as a TV series on the BBC. 
Wow. It, it seems too long of a book for me to hold my attention. But recently on CNN, they compare uh, Trump's Iran deal to War and Peace. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So Gomez the looks up. falling apart. Uh, yeah. So Gomez looks up in the phone book um, for a marriage counselor, but he also happens to come across vampires and Vikings. And Vikings, yeah, Vikings. <laughs> I can remember in the 1990s, you could find the weirdest stuff in the phone book to call, and supernatural paranormal investigators were in the phone book. They were. They that were. Was so weird. I don't think vampires or Vikings were. That's just a gag. But but in terms of the supernatural. Paranormal investigators were in the phone book. And nowadays, you just go to their website or social media page and say, "Hey, I got a ghost. Come over," and they'll tell you it's your air conditioner. <laughs> sorry, or some folks, electromagnetic uh, yeah. field from your neighbors. Right? Yeah. Sorry, folks, it's your air conditioner. There's no ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cynical because I just watched the first episode of The Haunting of Hill House. Ah. And he like he's like, "It's your air conditioner, and there's a leak in your roof, and you should get that fixed." And you didn't actually see your dead husband. The doctor comes over. Oh, it was the, played by the actor. Mortimer Phelps. Mortimer Phelps. He does a diagnosis of Cousin It and determines the job for him is marriage counselor, which they already said. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, immediately Gomez says, show this quack out the door. Because you know, they've already been there, done that, and it didn't really work for him. But what I found about the testing that Mr. Phelps does is that he has these blocks. Rorschach and hands. Oh, the blocks, sorry. The blocks, yeah, the blocks. The, and this is like a simple, you know, th- two-year-old game, just putting the blocks in the appropriate holes. And both Gomez and Morticia can't figure out how to get the blocks in the right spots. And even Mortimer Phelps himself says, oh, so that's how you do it, when, when uh, Cousin It does it really quickly. It makes them look like they're just... Kind of stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then of course uh, Wednesday does it immediately. Immediately, yeah. And then they but, go to the uh, Rorschach paintings, which uh, this immediately immediately always makes me think of this, mainly because I'm such a comic book nerd. Where I left them, waiting for me, my coat, putting them on. Hold on, I'm not going to disguise. Point. Free from fear. This city's afraid of me. I've seen its true face. The streets are extended gutters, and the gutters are full of blood. And when the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up around their waists. And all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us. I immediately think of Rorschach, played by Jackie Earl Haley in the Watchmen movie, based on the uh, famous comic book by uh, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. <laughs> oh, great, great uh, books. My, my partner actually has a Rorschach costume with a mask that actually changes the ink blots like that. How does it do that? It is a heat-sensitive uh, ink. Uh, so the mask is actually a full-face mask, just like Rorschach, and then you have one set of ink blots that are reacting to heat from your breath so when you blow out it actually changes the ink blot on the fabric uh to being a different pattern it is super freaking cool how do you get that i've never seen that before i usually see people with these god-awful looking ink blot masks on their face oh really okay is it like a gel pack or something 
No, it, it's actually um, it's regular fabric, and then the ink is actually treated onto the fabric in a pattern that looks like an ink blot. And it's the ink itself which is uh, temperature sensitive. So you basically go to a convention with a crazy guy standing there going, yes. <laughs> trying to change his ink face. Yes, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like people just like walking away, like, what the hell's wrong with that guy? <laughs> no, but but when you see Rorschach's face actually change like that, oh, it's just so cool at conventions. There is this scene after the ink blots uh, in the word association, which the atoms keep interrupting, which just honestly gets, gets on my nerves. Um, I, 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 I love this show, but sometimes I just think they write the Adams family as being the most annoying characters in the history of television. Like, they're just so inept to their, their, the way they are. It just it comes across as annoying and rude compared to, like, the way they're normally written. Yeah, sometimes. Like, this episode in particular is very cartoonish, almost annoyingly so. Yeah, very annoyingly so, when they keep interrupting the inkblot things with their own, like, guesses. Um, but then Morticia, uh, she says later, and um, when uh, Gomez wants to obviously bone his wife, says, um, sorry, let me rephrase that. When Gomez wants to have sex with his wife, she runs her nails against his face. Which mm-hmm. is something I've not seen them do on the show at all. Um, I know they don't show them kissing ever because of the probably standards of television at the time. Yes. But uh, she runs her sharpened nails against his cheek, which I yeah. guarantee was like the closest to intimacy we get between them other than him kissing her arm every five minutes. That is true. Uh, although this isn't the first episode that we've seen where she does that. Um I believe, uh, like, I, I don't remember the exact one, but it is something that she does. Usually it's with an open hand that she that she touches his face. This time she rakes her fingers. It does happen quite often. Um, I think in season two it happens more often. Maybe they loosened up a little bit on the standards. I still don't understand why you weren't allowed to kiss somebody on television. General Hospital I, was on at the time, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the standards were at the time and what kept one show doing one thing and, you know, why are there separate beds? And that's not really... Well, we went over why the whole separate bed thing. But oh, on yeah. the early episodes of I Dream of Genie and... Ch- and uh, not I almost said Charm, but Bewitched, Darren and the, uh, the, the, the colonel would make out with, their, with um, Samantha and Genie, respectively. Now, when Jeannie first appeared on I Dream of Jeannie, she was literally, like, him and the, her and the colonel were literally in each other's arms, like, making out. Then that stopped for a while until they got married. Like, he, you know, they eventually actually married the two characters, which was the end of the show. Well, I Dream of Jeannie was 1965 to 1970, so perhaps something changed with the laws in that time that allowed more risque um, interactions to be broadcast. Right, but also look at Jeannie's costume in the 60s, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. she she wasn't even allowed to show her belly button because the belly button was was considered offensive back then. Prudishness. Um, looking up online about the five surprising things that 1960s TV uh, eventually changed uh, was apparently uh, one of the biggest things was uh, an open-mouth kiss between two people was considered to be uh, too uh, sexualized for television at the time. So, um, wow. 
but they eventually changed yeah. that because it was like, this is dumb. <laughs> married couples yeah, should be allowed it, to show kissing. Maybe non-married couples shouldn't be allowed to show kissing. And then eventually now we just have people effing each other on television every month and right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, not not as out there as, like, uh, Australia's uh, soaps, which is pretty much softcore porn. Right, definitely. Um, so Cousin It becomes a tourist guide, and that's how the episode ends, after his marriage counseling doesn't work out so well. Yeah, he ends up uh, going to Pango Pango. Um, Where is yeah, which Pango is, Pango? Shane, Pango Pango is the uh, capital of American Samoa in Tutilia. Okay, where is that? <laughs> okay, it's in the South Seas. It's South South Pacific. Okay. It's, uh, I believe, one of the nine Samoan islands. Oh, okay. Have you been there before? It's part of American Samoa. Have you been there before? No. Oh, no. okay. Another, I, I want to go to New Zealand and all that, but uh, I don't think that we'll actually be going to any of the American Samoa territories. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we're going to take a quick break and play a couple of uh, spots here on the Dead TV podcast, and we will be back. But before we go, only because we have covered it uh, before, we might again one day, I don't know exactly what show... But um, the second show that we covered on the Dead TV podcast was Constantine, based on the Vertigo comic book series. And then the we covered the Swamp Thing animated series, the short-lived Swamp Thing animated series. DC Comics has announced this past weekend and made it official this past Friday that they are closing the DC Vertigo imprint. As of January 2020, uh, they will no longer be publishing Vertigo. That's an end of an era, man. I love that line. Uh, the any remaining books will have a chance to wrap up their stories, and any of the Vertigo imprints will be shuffled over to their new Black Label series, which has, for right now, been mostly a way to print more Batman books, but without uh, worrying about children reading them. Um, Batman Last Night on Earth, Batman Damned, where you get to see Batman's dick, and Harley Quinn almost raped Batman. And the upcoming Batman 3 Joker story, which is going to wrap up a long-standing plot line involving three different Jokers in Batman's life that he never knew about. As well as Superman Year One, which is being written by Frank Miller, creator of The Dark Knight Rises. I'm uh, sorry, The Dark Knight Returns, the comic book, not the movie. Um, and Sin City as well. So Black Label does not have a great reputation right now, mainly because they are basically just printing Batman comic books again. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, Scott Snyder, who is the um, one of the writers of the former Batman book, and the comic book Witches, which is highly regarded as a great horror book, he wrote um, a comic book called American Vampire and has announced that will be over on Black Label. Characters like John Constantine and the Doom Patrol and Death and Sandman have already kind of filtered into the regular DC universe. But there's a number of Neil Gaiman Vertigo books that was launched, the, the books of magic, and they're all going to have to get canceled now and be restarted over in the Black Label books, which is kind of unfortunate because they, he, like, they literally launched, allowed Neil Gaiman to launch his own universe. Um, or not launch his own universe, it already existed, but you know, basically be the uh, studio head behind these like four or five books set in his Watchmen universe. Oh, man. Yeah, but at this point... The thing is, and Ron Mars, uh, former guest of Radio Horror and writer of Witchblade and Green Lantern and Skylander comic books, has said that this is not this is the end of an imprint. 
the rest of the comic book industry has finally caught up to Vertigo. There are dozens of independent comic book companies printing books that Vertigo would have printed 25 years ago, and now they're printing them on their own. It is not. It is sad to see this imprint go, but the rest of the industry has finally caught up to what Vertigo has started back in the late 80s. So it's it's disappointing, but honestly, any book Vertigo has published over the last 27 years or so, 20, 30 years, uh, 30 years, we're seeing everywhere. Image, Dark Horse, IDW, Aftershock, dozens yeah. of other companies I can't even name are printing Vertigo-style comic books. Edgier, adult, risque, gay, lesbian, drug-infused comic books. Vertigo kind of started doing all that. You know, goth, punk, horror, they were doing that, but now everyone else is too. So... There's not. It, it's just sad to see it go, but at the same time, the rest of the industry is publishing what Vertigo is doing. Yeah, I, I know that there won't be an empty space for you know that Vertigo is leaving behind, but I, I have that nice warm feeling in my heart whenever I see the Vertigo label. Yeah, it's just sad. And we'll be back with the Dead TV podcast shortly. This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. And we're back with the next episode of the Dead TV Podcast. Lurch... Lurch the Teenage Idol, originally aired May 14th, 1965. Low grunts and grumbles while at the harpsichord constitute Lurch's manner of singing. Gomez has a record company record him, and soon the Adams house is surrounded by excited teeny boppers, fawning and fainting over Lurch when he becomes the newest hit sensation. All of that blind adoration goes to Lurch's head, and the Adamses quickly find that they have a self-centered butler who won't buttle any longer. Could it be they've created a monster? Bum, bum, bum. The recording studio is obviously named after Vic Mizzy. Yes, the opposed... Mizzy Bickle records, that's totally Vic Mizzy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all of the people that appear in this, uh, the only one I want to point out, because the rest are in like uh, you know really un- 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 uh, interesting things, like Pamela McMiller, who plays one of the screaming girls who come out to the Adams Family house, was mm-hmm. Laurie Strode's mother in Halloween 2 in a flashback sequence. Other than that, huh. like an, an IMDb career that I've just not really ever seen much of. But uh, Laura Mitchell, who plays the woman who accompanies the recording artist, who died last year, actually, at the time we were recording Friday the 13th. She was 90 years old. She was the scream queen of the science fiction horror movies, having been in Attack of the Puppet People, Missing to the Moon, Queen of Outer Space, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and dozens of other sci-fi horror schlocky movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was also in, like... Miami Undercover, Bourbon Street Beat, The M Squad, The Millionaire, like a a lot. Like her career is vast. She had a set of lungs on her that could scream. (laughs) Um, Uh, And she was beautiful too. Yes, she was, absolutely. That's definitely why she was cast as like this early kind of scream queen of the 50s and 60s. I do love that they point out some of the bands that um, Vic Busy Records uh, has recorded uh, are the zombies which is an actual band actual uh, band yes yeah. and also the polecats an actual band right uh hold on a second let me 
I almost pulled up Zombie by the Cranberries, but that's something else. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great, but... <laughs> <laughs> not accurate. <laughs> not the same thing, but great song, though. <laughs> Probably their best well-known song. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, they recorded the Zombies. Well, no one told me about her, the way she lied. The Polecats. Now, the Polecats, I'm not very familiar with. Uh, actually, the Polecats are uh, a real band, but it was formed in 1977. So um, I'm not sure whether they're actually referring to the Polecats' actual band, since this is from 1965. Yeah, one of their numbers is Make a Circuit with Me. So maybe that was made up for the show. Maybe. They have music I would probably never listen to. <laughs> and what was the other band they mentioned? The Head Splitters. The Head Splitters. Now, I couldn't actually find a, a 60s or 70s band called Head Splitters, but there is a hardcore band right now with, with the name Head Splitters. There's like the, uh, yeah, there's, the head, there's a punk band called the Head Splitters. Here's some of their yeah. music. I just want to oh. point out that their um, their main image on their uh, their album it looks like a Jewish concentration camp during World War II. Well, a lot of punk is designed to kind of go against what the the fascist regimes and all of that. Punk's roots are in breaking against the establishment. It gets me. Yeah, I probably uh, would not. That would not be the band I'd probably promote. <laughs> <laughs> So he makes this noise, and that's like turning the girls on like he is the Beatles in one person. I mean, they're literally throwing themselves at him like he's Elvis or the Beatles. Yeah, they totally are. And, and uh, you know, Gomez has this really funny line right in the beginning. Um, it's that uh, – let me find it here. Okay. I'll get the phone book and look up some record companies, Gomez says. Morticia says, Lurch will be so surprised. And he says, if they like him, so will I. And I have to agree. Yeah, Gomez says that it sounds like Lurch is being stabbed, and that's kind of how it sounds. You know, that little grunts and, ooh, uh, uh, oh. I can't even, I can't even mimic it. it it's, it's unique, but it's also not really singing. Is this the cartoonness of the Adams Family again, that this is supposed to be turning women on and, like, Literally, the way they're throwing at him is like they would be if he was Elvis. They are, they are. This is the cartoony episode, but I have to admit, this has always been one of my favorites. Just because this huge Frankenstonian type of guy is just making these girls like faint around him by their excitement. You know, they want Lurchy Baby, and uh, it's so hilarious in this, this one particular way. Um, and the entire episode is is basically his rise to rise to fame and being on the radio and going on a world tour. But yet, as soon as he gets out the door, he's accosted by all these teeny boppers and then decides that he wants to you know be a butler again. Um, 
it stresses Gomez to the point that he is smoking two cigars after saying that, um, telling Go- Morticia that she had twins, and she's like, I never had twins. Uh, oh, I'm, I must have dreamed that. <laughs> and he takes the cigar, the smoke, both cigars that are still smoking, and puts them in his pocket. Yeah, that was something he did a lot. That's why they had asbestos lining his pockets. Yeah, how incredibly dangerous is that to light your lead actors? Uh, you know, you're one of your sorry, one of your two lead actors because Gomez and Morticia are equal in that show. Um, mm-hmm. His clothes on fire. And if there's any lead actor on that show, it's both Gomez and Morticia. Yes. I mean, he gets top yeah. billing because he's the man, and it's the '60s, but. Again, yeah, uh, but... The patriarchy. Back then, he didn't know anything about asbestos' harms. Does Walt Julia get top billing over Angelica Houston? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'd have to rewatch the movie, which, by the way, you can rewatch the movie. This is a good time to mention this, because the next time we record, it will be after this happens. In fact, the next time we record is the day it happens. On June 30th, Kevin Smith is doing a live watch of The Addams Family. Of all the movies, he's doing The Addams Family. I guarantee it's Sony contacted him and asked him to do that because the movie is coming, and he's Kevin Smith. And he's the yeah. pop culture geek king icon who does you know, IMDb's um, Comic-Con uh, big preview thing, which why weren't we asked to go to Comic-Con to host the Addams Family panel? <laughs> You're clearly not marketing the show. We could have gotten a free trip to Comic-Con to host <laughs> the Adams Family panel. <laughs> I guarantee there will be a, pa- a, a Comic-Con Adams Family panel with the whole cast there. <laughs> I hope so. I really do. Yeah, we will uh, stick it up on the Facebook page from uh, Twitter, uh, sorry, Twitter, uh, uh, YouTube, because it will probably be recorded, because most of the big panels are recorded and put up on YouTube through San Diego Comic-Con's uh, event. But I guarantee that is why Kevin Smith is getting is doing that, because out of every movie out there, The Addams Family seems a little strange for Kevin Smith. You know, his stuff is more geeky, comic book, sci-fi, Star Wars related, and The Addams Family is a little bit outside his wheelhouse in terms of, I've listened to almost every episode of his podcast, and I can never remember a single time he's brought up The Addams Family. I would agree there. Yeah. I don't think that he has anything to do with The Addams Family or had an interest in The Addams I didn't even know he liked The Addams Family until that announcement. Unless I haven't looked at the IMDb for The Addams Family animated movie and he has a cameo in the film. Which could be completely possible, but I haven't gone through the list of everyone who's in that movie coming up other than the main cast. Yeah. It's completely possible he has a cameo in the movie, so... Um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm I'm just saying it's just an unusual movie. So again, a week from the 30th of June, sorry, sorry, a week from the day we're recording this on the 30th of June, he's doing a live showing of it at like 5 p.m. So I don't think we're going to be able to do it, but I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll rearrange the podcast and, and see. So, but I'm usually working at the radio station at the time. It'd be interesting to watch it with him just to hear his like. Kind of, he's obviously going to have a running commentary through it. Oh yes, yes. Um, um, so they get a lot of fan mail, and and uh, Gomez says that uh, oh he uh, must have not had any room to bring our mail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean he has to uh, thing has to bring in the mail in three handfuls, uh, separate handfuls because he couldn't carry it all. Now in the show we do see two dances, the Watusi and the Freddy. And the Freddy is done by Gomez. And while in today's modern times, 
that dance seems utterly ridiculous. It was an actual dance. The, the actual Freddy dance that he does in the show is an actual dance, the Freddy. Um, it just looks stupid. <laughs> no relationship to Freddy Krueger. No, not at all. Yeah. Not even not even a blip on our radar yet in the pop culture icon, uh, zeitgeist. Yeah, not at all. Uh, Fester tries to take Lurch's picture and ends up taking a picture of him because the camera's backwards. That's actually, camera's backwards, that's a yeah. little, that's That's actually funny. That's that's one of those vaudevillian um, skits right there. You know, you have a medium format camera with with the the cloth that you put over yourself because medium format doesn't really have an actual eyepiece to to look at. You have to look at the entire frame, which is uh, anywhere from like three to six inches. And Fester has it on backwards. Uh, Gomez needs to put a stop to Lurch's fame because it's costing the Adams family a fortune in smelling salts. <laughs> All of those fainting teeny bobbers. That's it. All of those fainting teeny bobbers. Do you find Lurch to be attractive, Mr. Seneca? I find him to be attractive. I don't find him attractive to the point that I would go gaga over him. Um, but if he were in my bed, uh, I wouldn't kick him out. Oh, looks, my. You heard it here, folks. Dead enough. <laughs> All right, that's right, that's right. That that good old chestnut of yours. Yes, <laughs> Being yes. Into the dead and all. Um, I mean, I guess we're all. I mean, if for anyone who's ever said that they're not into dead things, who wants to like screw like Vampirella or Elvira or Morticia or any other female vamp-like character or vampire, Just you're that? wrong because yeah. you want to screw a dead thing. I mean, a vampire is usually kind of dead, you know? And the Adam Vampires family are ghouls, so... Yeah. Vampire's dead. Um, I do love in this episode where Morticia and Gomez are golfing. Uh, and Gomez has the, the golf ball on his forehead, yet he's got a cigar in his mouth. And she is uh, about to 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 uh, use the club to hit the ball, and she asks him if what if I miss? And he says, "Counts as a stroke. Uh, helps with develop accuracy." Uh, I I'm happy at that that he's willing to take a a clock to the jaw with a with a golf club just to help his wife get better at aiming uh, to actually play golf. That's yeah. That's 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 the sign of true love right there. Um, it is. It is. You you're willing to risk it just for them. Lurch loses his voice and gets it back, and then he's accosted by the mob when he's about to go on his European trip or whatever to sing everywhere, uh, very quickly. I almost for a thought for a minute they, that that he would come back. He would he would he was actually going to leave, and then maybe he would just come back in the next episode. But I I I completely also forgot about the continuity of the show. That would have been this. This is a self-contained episode, one and done. However, I think it would have been funnier if they had made this a two-part episode and the Adams went through a string of, like, butlers and maids that just could not put up with their zaniness. That would have been cool, too. That would have been a great two-part episode. So Lurch is gone the whole episode, the next episode. But then he comes back at the end, you know, like, oh, it was great, but I I couldn't do it anymore. I, I missed my job. But the entire episode is like guest star after guest star after guest star of people trying to put up with the Adams and not being able to do it. Or somebody that wants to, like, screw Gomez or Morticia and they have to get him out. <laughs> but then, then that would be... 
almost repeating the plot line of the upcoming episode we'll cover next week, the winning of Morticia, which is the plot of that episode. You know, somebody wants to, you know, be with one of the atoms, but they, 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 they gotta, it's, it's causing problems in the plot. So it would just be a repeat of the same episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, him going out and then coming back like moments later with a torn, uniform or torn suit torn hat all scuffled and dirty like yeah it's like they really tore him up outside or the actor went outside changed his clothes came back (laughs) 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 because there was no cut in that either he went outside and came back in (laughs) true yeah i guarantee they just probably handed him a new jacket and shirt and a ruffled hat (laughs) it put a little grime on his face yeah 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 morticia insisted though that the Lurch's decision to stay must be his own. It, it it must be of his own free will. So they have to do everything they can to help him be this star because he wants to be the star. Um, but when he comes back uh, ready to buttle again, they're just happy to have him. That is pretty much all the notes I have here for this episode of the Dead TV Podcast's uh, Lurch-centered episode. Yeah, I love this one. <laughs> It's got its charms, but I like the next one coming up even more, even though we never get the, what, uh, well, I'll get to it, but I like the episode, the next episode even more. Yeah. So we'll get to that next week. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook at the Dead TV Podcast, where you can find an update about why this episode is late. Mr. Zedica and I have both had some technological problems beyond our control due to acts of God and acts of man's stupidity. Yeah, an oil refinery right near my house, like literally less than half a mile from my house, blew up. You should post the video of the blow up because I posted the CNN article, but I didn't have access to your video that you sh- that not you shot, but you said somebody shot. Post that because that looks like a movie studio explosion, and that's actually real life ha- that happened. Yeah, that's real life. I'll post it to our Facebook page. Like it is incredible. Yeah, that incredible, is incredibly huge scary. fireball. That is incredibly scary. I mean, our technical problem the week before was just a bad storm internet kind of issues, and we postponed recording. Unfortunately, we postponed it to a date we didn't realize there would be a man-made disaster happening in Pennsylvania that was all over the news. So go to our Facebook page to the CNN article and Mr. Zeneca's video to find out what happened and why this episode is uh, a week late. But also check us out on Twitter at ChrisDSAV and at ElegantlyKinky, and you can send us an email at ThatRadioHar at gmail.com. And don't forget to please leave us a uh, rating on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play if you are a fan of the Adams Family. Even if you disagree with anything that we talk about on the show, please leave us a comment respectfully about why, and we will get back to you about it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. 